people of Earth, if you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animate chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy. Happy New Year, fanboy. It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast, and here he is. Yeah, he's not Baby New Year anymore, but it's Derek McCaw. Far from it, but here it is, 2013. This is Derek McCaw. Editor in chief of the fanboy like planet website. No, you didn't want to see that. No one really wanted to. You, you didn't even come and see me in the tux. I couldn't get tickets. Really? Oh, that was just. I thought I, I've got to say on the air. I thought that you and Debbie were in the New Year's Eve audience, and because here's what. Because uh, at one point the score kept being nineteen. And so I said, oh, I feel like I'm trapped in the dark tower. And two people cackled. And I nice. thought, oh, good. Rick and Debbie are in the audience. <laughs> we were at Benihana with uh, Chris Garcia. I was just saying, you know, I felt I was, I was alone. Uh, but I thought I had my people I making, you know, Stephen King jokes. And only two people got it. But I didn't care because they were, you know, podcast I was probably people. laughing at the time. Uh, could be. <laughs> uh, you know, so that was just odd. Um Anyway, here it is, the first podcast of 2013. You may hear it's really just two voices bouncing back and forth because tonight it is myself and my now apparently homeless uh, moral compass and podcast producer. Homeless? Well, you're, you're scruffy. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. You know, when see, Shang- I can't see my own face. When Shang-Chi grew a beard, you mock him mercilessly, so i got to do the same. It's only fair. So um, It's only three days' growth. You don't look Amish, but you do look, uh, yeah. I look a little... We're almost. Uh, this is. We should track this on the website. We're almost to. It's not quite Nick Nolte mugshot yet, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm sure it will look. Be something to aspire. I'm to. sure it will look distinguished <laughs> at some point. Uh, when will we achieve Wolf Blitzerhood? Because that's what I think you're About trying two to weeks. get for. About two weeks to Wolf yeah. Blitzerhood. All right. Uh, Anyway, uh, so we are missing Nate Cost tonight. In fact, it sounds I like miss Nate. It sounds like Nate's going to be out for a couple of weeks, uh, but uh, hopefully back in by the end of January. I, I know there's so much uh, upheaval, you know, as we change people around. But uh, there's a little bit of a surprise last minute. We didn't have a chance to fill in the slot with any of the alternate fanboys. But I uh, hear rumor that uh, at least one alternate alternate fanboy. Uh, is believes he can make it in next week. So next week, to uh, catch in, we'll have uh, Crusading District Attorney Troy Benson. Excellent. The only one of the fan- alternate fanboys who may actually be a superhero. Um, he still has the build. I know, I know. Shh. Shh. Um, What's the use of a secret identity if you... I don't know. I'm not good about secrets. That's why you know. That's why Bruce Wayne gets mad at me every time I check in at the Batcave. It's, uh-huh. uh, you know, it's... Uh-huh. Uh, he hates Foursquare. He hates Foursquare. So we have some uh, fanny mail, and it's 2013, and we don't have our songstress, Nate Costa. So we'll just go right into the letters that we have. Okay, first, oh, that was that was great. Oh, the nose kazoo, nice. <laughs> um, I'm actually going to first go to uh, a paraphrase from Rob Cordaway, uh, who was very, uh, who's a longtime listener and a longtime letter writer. And he's brought up a point that I'd like to say was he was really excited to look at Fanboy Planet and see that the Disney Cruise Line was advertising with us. And, wow. 
Excellent. Yeah, and as he said, it's like, how'd you get them to do that? Um, one, uh, he also offered to, uh, he was going to book a Disney cruise. Through that ad. Uh, I think separately because, you know, he, remember, he had been on a cruise, uh, was about to go on a cruise or, or had been on a cruise and um, Hurricane Sandy oh. hit. So it like, got cut short because Hurricane Sandy was coming in. So uh, they gave everyone a voucher for uh, 25% off on a on a later cruise. So, uh, cause he got most of it, if not all of it, but hurricane Sandy made it dangerous. Yes. Um, so, uh, he was getting a discount, but he said he was going to, he was going to tell them that he booked it through fanboy planet or that because of fanboy that he planet. Had seen the ad. Yeah. But, uh, I just want to point out that's, re- that, that's really, um, it's not though. I would love if Disney was actually paying that much attention to us. It's part of a Google ads package. I'm really glad Actually, that our Google ads started running Disney stuff because that is, it's finally, like, I like snork tees, but sometimes you get ads on that where it's like, really? <laughs> I feel like, what? What does that have to do? But when it's Disney, I'm like, yeah, we, we yeah. Have I you ever just, gone on the Disney cruise? Not gone on a Disney cruise, yeah. That was our first cruise, was on a Disney cruise. Yeah. And as, as, as big a, an event as hanging out with the cast at Disneyland is, they're like 150% higher quality cast more on than anybody else this was a great great time wow well um actually my cousin hosted one yeah uh t- a year and a half ago two years ago the bob cabral disney wine cruise wow i can't believe you didn't go on that but no. uh yeah as my cousin I, i'll take the take that slight blood you know he is like one of the most well-known winemakers in the world mm. uh and was actually winemaker of the year last year uh and in fact i was at at uh, California Adventure or the Grand Californian and uh, the waiter, the head sommelier of the Napa Rose. I said, do you know my cousin? And he said, and yes. Uh, wow. You know, so good choice in cousins. Excellent. I, I had no choice in that. It just happened. Uh, but good guy. And uh, up there with Disney too. So I- I'm dropping it so that maybe he'll invite me on the next cruise. <laughs> so, Sign me up. Okay. Well, you're there. Uh, and then the next letter I got uh, from Brian Shimada, who, by the way, won our Halo Mega Blocks giveaway. Um, one of the best prizes we ever had. Like, we, we really, honestly, it was a nice set, $60 set from Target. Everybody I talked to, after just talking about business for the site, was like, how did you get that? And it's just like, Target contacted me? I said, oh, gee, wouldn't it be neat? I'm going to put that Mega Blocks thing on our on our um, Christmas uh, gift guide. And they said, oh, I think we can send you one. <laughs> so they did. So to give it away, and, yeah. and we did. And so Brian Shimada, who, yes, happened to be a local uh, listener, l- local in the Bay Area, and a shopper. A to lot live. of our listeners are local. We, which you do know. Yeah, we do. And we have a lot international, we too. But our, I'm our, very proud of our international But I'm, I, I'm very proud of I don't of insult them at all. Uh, well, that's that's one of us. Uh, and uh, But uh, he also shops at Elusive Comics and Games, and that's where he first started listening to us, was because he'd come into the store and see us in the back. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we tonight are from the Brett Cave. We'll be in different places. But anyway, Brian writes in. Happy New Year to you, Rick and Nate. Just catching up on the last podcast. I'm guessing there are still no emails in the Fanboy Planet mailbox for this. By the way, the header was 
a vote for the Derek Must Watch the Walking Dead campaign. <laughs> so I may have the dubious honor of casting the first official vote for the Derek Must Watch the Walking Dead campaign. Not sure if this will persuade you, but my wife, who hates horror films and skipped out on the first two seasons, decided back in November to watch episode one after hearing about some of her other friends raving about the show. Well, she absolutely got hooked. There were several nights of lost sleep in order to catch up, and she is now anxiously waiting the mid-season three opener. She is still not a fan of the zombie gore, but easily forwards through those scenes with the handy TiVo remote. Though this may not persuade other listeners to submit their votes, and ultimately fail to persuade you to try an episode at least be tried. Right, Nate? Taking care and hoping 2013 will be the year of Fanboy Planet, Hugo Award-winning podcast. Cheers, Brian. We're, our campaigning is not ramping up this year. I think we're going to ramp up at the end of the year for next year's campaign for the what? year. What? When are we? When, when, are we going to try this year? What? 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 Yes. I mean, what, why? Okay. Would, why would we? Why would we not? I just. I. I, I want to get a good running start at it. We're always too far into the year for. Really, I don't know how it works. So you have to. How much do you have to run? Uh, <laughs> well, you don't actually have to run. It's good because I've been metaphor. on the Just Dance three every morning, but it's. I, I don't feel like my. That will help, I guess. I like my lung capacity is that great, but um, we got a lot of letters actually. So the next one I have is from a guy named Mikey Savelli, and I, 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 I like the ambient sound of you drinking coffee while you're. Talking I know. To it's, it's like maybe this a whole become, new podcast. Maybe this become more NPR. It's a good thing. Um, pardon me while I take a sip, and uh, it's good. Mmm, ah, that's good coffee. Yes. Um, because it's not just coffee. And uh, although, you know, to stay alert. So Mikey Savelli. Uh, so I don't know if he's a longtime listener or not, but um, I think it's, another, it's a person who's discovered in our archives an interview. Oh, I can't remember how many years ago uh, I got the chance to meet Rob Van Dam, which... Uh, was a comic con because he right? I don't know if he still owns a comic shop or not, but he had bought into one and uh, I think it was the year before my first year going to comic con. That was the year that the demons tried to possess your soul, I believe. Ah, uh, that's just what Dave Tapia said. Yeah, the fool, um, and they possessed him. And uh, but anyway, uh, so I had a nice, you know, nice, nice guy, and I was really excited that, that Rob Van Dam was a wrestler I knew. Um, and so this guy is asked, uh, and this is really a question for Nate, and unfortunately Nate's not here tonight, but we will address this at a later date uh, with Nate or if Chris Garcia comes in on some night. Hi, how long was RV, has RV, RVD been in the WCW, the ECW, and the WWE, Too many and TNA? Well, there's, I mean, he's been in all four of of the major right. uh, wrestling as- right. associations. And, you know, I really don't know. And like I said, I'm not the wrestling expert, and tonight uh, it's just Rick and myself, and I don't be offended that I don't consider you one of the wrestling experts either. Um, Although, they, did you see Chris's post that is coming to San Jose, and they are, The Rock is going to be there, and I uh, think we ought to have a road trip to, to downtown San Jose for... I would go see a wrestling... I would go see a WWE match... If The Rock was there. Yeah. Because I like The Rock. I've been as close to The Rock as you are to me right now. Okay. And just kind of stared. Um, it was at the Camera 12, actually, uh, once for the uh, for screening that. of the Gridiron Gang. Yeah. The night that, that Lon Lopez cried like a little baby. There oh, no, he go. didn't. He really, just, he really just missed it up a little bit, but my God. No, it wasn't even the night we saw the screening. We just like, hung out and interviewed him. Uh, we're trying to get an interview. We didn't. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, 
So, uh, and then uh, finally this week, uh, a listener named Brian Vanderswag. Have we ever heard from this guy before? I don't know. I, I, and I don't, when I say this guy, that's not like dismissive. I'm just, I, I just like, I'm going, I, the name sounds really familiar, but I think it's because I've, I've taught students with names Vanders other things. Right. You know, I, and uh, <coughs> the Vander beginning. Vander swag? Is that one of Vander Zwag. Zwag. S, okay. uh, no, yes, thank you. You got me doing that. Dang it. Um, Z-W-A-A-G. Uh, so <laughs> I like this. Like we've created this special honor guard of of listeners. I feel compelled to be one of the ten who will write urging you <laughs> to watch The Walking Dead. I don't even like horror movies, and I actually think the zombie craze is a little overdone. But after watching one episode of this show, I found myself wanting another and another and so on. I was surprised at myself, so I think you will be surprised to be pulled in too. I've never read the comic book either. I want to thank the Fanboy Crew for the podcast. Uh, I don't know if we should call ourselves the Fanboy Crew, because I'll bet there's a website called the Fanboy Crew. Um, <laughs> I have been listening for a couple years now, I think, on the Stitcher app, and I look forward to each new go. episode. So, okay, so uh, it sounds like he might not be local to us, and, and then I'm ex- always excited to hear that somebody's listening on the Stitcher app. Yeah. Um, you know, because the, re- the reason we got picked up on Stitcher in the first place was because they told me people had requested us on on their on their app. So, uh very exciting and very happy to hear from you Brian. So that's two. <laughs> Eight more and then I have to watch it, which I believe season 2 may have shown up on Netflix so I can. Um I think I was I was looking through Netflix today and it was recommended for me, so I think it's up there. Uh okay, okay. So uh so possibly. Um and then I think that's the last that we have of uh of emails uh other than uh boy, I am getting a lot of uh Viagra spam again. Um, so, uh, it just Is that working in, for you? Uh, I don't know. What's the point? Uh, <laughs> if I want to see the world through a blue tinge, I just, I don't know. I get a gel, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, here, let me take this time for a... Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's the pause that refreshes. Um, who is the actor who is on that... Uh... On that coffee, there was an actor who was on a coffee commercial. I don't know, but at this point, I'll bet a lot of people are going, would um, Nate come back, please? <laughs> Somehow cut through this? Um, Rick and Derek, uh, without the influence of someone who just goes, can we talk I finished my coffee. I want to get some more. Oh, well, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Uh, you talk. All right. Well, let's talk some com- We've got some comics news. We've just gone through the letters. Uh, some comics news. The big thing, uh, I think there's a lot of Star Wars news we get to talk about today. Yep. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, and then there's uh, uh, the Superior Spider-Man. We'll talk about that. Uh, we saw Gangster Squad, so we're going to talk about Gangster yeah. Squad. Uh, and then we'll yeah, get to Oscar the- nominations too. Oh, Oscar nominations, yeah, indeed. So uh, let's start by talking comics. Um, let's talk with one that I know is the good um, that I think we we both agreed we really enjoyed Star Wars number one. Yep. Which has it's a bittersweet enjoyment because I want to say up top as we have reported and and as is a surprise to no one I think uh, because of Disney's purchase of Lucas, which apparently has been officially absolutely approved. So it's gonna it, there's nothing standing in the way. It is happening. It is or it has happened. Um, the contract that uh, the licensing contract that Dark Horse Comics has had 
with Lucasfilm will expire at the end of 2013. That's what the Mayan calendar thing was all about. That's what it was. And that uh, it'll resume at Marvel. So let me say. And they can, they can, res- they can just pick all the books right up, right? That they're I, currently producing. I, I, I'm not going to say that is absolutely true. It's possible. That we know that that was possible when Marvel was purchased by Disney in the first place, as far as like Boom Studios had the license to all the Disney, to many of the Disney properties, and they were pulled from Boom, and Marvel was supposed to do something with them, but really has done little more than reprint what Boom had done, like The Incredibles, the right. uh, Toy Story collection. Um, and there was some weird stuff going on with Tron, but. When it comes to Disney and Tron, it's always it's always weird. Nothing straightforward with Tron for some reason. But in this case, if they do pick up Star Wars, if they could maintain the same people like Jan Dersima, who has been on the ongoing Star Wars books for quite some time, uh, then this, which is if they're going to go out, this series that is just simply called Star Wars, which is written by uh, Brian Wood and with art by Carlos Danda, um, and is this Alex Ross? Cover? It is an Alex, Alex Ross, Ross cover. Star Wars cover, which is very reminiscent of the original movie poster. Yeah, I mean, I look at the it's style. all the same colors, and and only it's Vader in the center of the picture holding up. A and lightsaber. and this is already sold out. This is sold out from Dark Horse. They're going into a second printing. And listen, if you did not pick this up, and you are a Star Wars fan, get the second printing. Get it. This is a really good book and i was just <laughs> commenting to a couple, couple people dark horse this week they sent us a preview we and and we got a chance to look at it now you bought a hard copy i did um i have not read a dark horse star wars comic in a while i've read you know i read some like i read kevin rubio's tag and binker dead because i liked the uh, rosencrantz and gildenstern twist um I picked up every now and then uh, because, you know, uh, as the occasional podcast uh, contributor, Michal Saman, is actually in Dark Horse Star Wars continuity. He's a character. Yeah. He is a character there and not just a character. Um, but I read this, and this, this series takes place right after A New Hope, right after the events of A New Hope. So I think I say it's weeks after. I get, to, I get to feel like it's, okay, it's almost a reboot of, it's 1977 again. Uh-huh. And or really, 1978 is when this happened. When when the first six issues of the Marvel comic Star Wars was over, they because they finished adapting the the movie, and they had to start a new adventure. Uh, I get to I get to now have a, a hyper time experience and pretend that this is what they did to continue uh, a more adult approach, uh, a a a more reasoned thought out, not just little you know. Let's uh, appeal to kids, kind of thing, um, which was appropriate for the I think time. You may be over over downgrading the original series. I think the Magnificent think, Seven approach they had, uh, which which was got Howard Jacobs. I'm not. This right. this is more up to date. This is more of what comics. Let me are be fair. Right it's now. it's more in the style of today. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and but there's a lot reminiscent here of of those earlier issues. Well, like, you talked about the car the the familiarity of uh, the art feels a bit like Carmine Carmine Infantino. Yeah, it's Carlos Dananda is uh, is the artist and. 
same kind of angular, you know, very uh, slim, uh, tall, tallish characters. I and the the uh, ships are all. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of the other artists that this reminded me of. He he did a lot of uh, work for Marvel in the in their sci-fi line, but I can't remember his name now, so I'm not going to go any further. But it's it for me. It's hitting that same. Um, perhaps now. Perhaps back then there wasn't that much of it, so I was more drawn to it, mm-hmm. right? Now we have the expanded empire. We have all the TV, and you watch the movies over and over again. Back then we didn't even have VCRs and have the things on tape. Primitive so days. We we were we were recalling the movies through the comic books, and I think there was and a the bit novelization. Of, there was a bit of magic there. The the the, the, the splinter in that the mind's splinter eye. of the mind's eye. Alan Dean Foster. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, I you know this is this is just a very cool book, well done, hitting on all cylinders for me. So uh, no, I everything about it. I even liked and and, and it was reminiscent. You're right. Now that it, and once you brought that up on Monday night, we were talking about it. The Carmine Infantino thing. One of the they even made che- uh, Carlos Dianda even made Chewy look uh-huh. expressive, and so I just liked. Uh, it's a it's a little thing I'm doing just taking a look at the layouts of stuff. An artist, when I could take the word balloons out and still have a concept of what emotional content is going on, yeah. and I could read Chewie's emotions Chewy. in these panels, I thought, that's that's pretty impressive. Which you probably couldn't have done in the movies. Because that's better than Peter Mayhew was able to accomplish. <laughs> right. um, so um, that's not a crack on him. He was stuck under no. a fur mask. Um and uh, you know, so I I really liked the approach because I can I can remember that you know that that thing where you, this I think is going to do a better job of bridging that gap between the Han Solo for, in particular, which even when I was eleven was like I grasped that Han Solo said he had to pay back Jabba. He you know was suddenly a hero of the rebellion, right? And how did you get from that to three years later in Empire Strikes Back? He never laughed. When it was clear that it was under direct, you know, and this is kind of bringing that through. So, so just really, if not the best book of the week, because you know, I did, I haven't read everything yet. Um, to, but to definitely one on of this, the best books. Apparently, yeah. uh, Dark Horse is also preparing a book which is uh, Chewie, Han, and Lando doing kind of like a Lando, Lando, which is a uh, it's kind of a oh, like a What's the type of movie when they do a job? When they uh, heist film a heist uh, story, um, which is supposed to be uh, coming out soon. And then Brian Wood, um, again, who's the uh, the the author of this, has another book coming up for Dark Horse called The Massive, which looks pretty cool. The uh, actually, I think The Massive has already started. Oh, has it? Yes, it's a new ongoing. But series. I've heard good things about it. Brian. So wasn't Brian Wood up. the guy that was doing North Northlanders? For Vertigo, I don't think I read that one. Um, it was the Viking saga. I read, a, I read a few issues of it. I really liked it. It was just at a time when I couldn't afford to buy that much. Uh-huh. Um, so I liked the beginning of it. Um, I, I think that's Brian Wood, and uh, yeah, interesting writer, interesting, inter- interesting writer, and interesting choice for this, and the right choice as, as it turns out. So really like that. Um, I don't know how it's going to stack up against the other my favorite impulse buy of the week. 
No, not uh, Rick is taunting me with the Phantom Stranger. Well, these are the books we said. Yeah, about. Uh, but I was going to say no. I'm also going to my other impulse buy of the week, which I haven't read yet, is oh, Mars okay. Mars Attacks. Kiss oh, you're going there from IDW. Yes. Um, so I haven't read Red Kiss versus Mar- uh, Mars Attacks. Kiss is how it's actually ah. titled. Uh, but I did pick up last week Mars Attacks Popeye, and I had not read any of IDW's Popeye revival. But is it all done in the in the Fleischer Popeye style or yes, wow. uh, oh Seagar uh, the the LC Seagar Fleischer was the studio that did the animation right right. This is done in the style of like weathered so is it comic nine, strips nine panels per page or um, it wasn't quite that that clean a layout parody wise. It was still done with a modern rhythm, but every page made to look like you were looking at a Sunday comic that had been um, discovered. After years in somebody's basement, wow. and uh, I that it wasn't by I think it's Roger Langridge who is doing the regular ongoing IDW book, but uh, so it wasn't by him. Uh, I want to say it was by Terry Beatty, I or maybe that was the artist. Um, but it was really fun, and you know because I'm I I don't have the cards. I you know I, I and. Uh, I don't have any of the repros either, but I have all the action figures from the Tim Burton movie. And I think the Tim Burton movie, though flawed, is fun. So I thought, well, Mars Attacks Popeye, that was just, I just love crossovers that shouldn't happen. And that's why even this Mars Attacks Kiss, it's like, you know, it's like Archie meets Kiss. That Mm -hmm. shouldn't have happened, Mm -hmm. therefore I had to have it. Um, You know, back is still my most treasured Archie meets Punisher. So here... Mars Attacks Kiss, Mars Attacks Popeye, these are fun. I'm not going to be as intrigued by, later on, there's Mars Attacks Transformers and Mars Attacks Zombies versus Robots because, to me, those are properties that are already too close to each other. Um, They they make too much sense. But this, no, it doesn't. It's going to be wild. Yeah, so that's that's that. Now you're going to go ahead. Let's go to the things we didn't like quite as much. (laughs) Well... We can we can start with Fantastic Four because that kind of okay, eases into go ahead, it. Because I haven't read that yet. But go so ahead. this is uh, Matt Fraction's uh, take after the Brian uh, after the uh, Hickman run that was so long and so yes. beautiful, wonderful. And of course, we got the the first family of the Marvel universe going off on supposedly an adventure, which is really Reed trying to figure out how to keep them all from dying from this molecular breakdown. Um, Two things that are happening in this book. One, uh, because they've just headed, <laughs> it's almost like Kirk said, uh, enjoy yourself, head out that way. So they're millions of light years away from Earth. Ben is lamenting the fact that it's New Year's on Earth, which is paradoxical because <laughs> they're so far away, you know, time doesn't make any any sense. Well, they were only supposed to be gone for four minutes, but they've already established an FF right. that, no, the four minutes passed and they're freaking out. So. Right. Um, but, uh, and we don't know why this is, this is the time distortion has happened yet. Um, it looks to me like this story in particular, which was a, they land on a planet, there's a mystery and then they leave the planet. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm cutting the, 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 uh, yeah. the suspense, suspense of the story out. It's all in one book. It's kind of, kind of harkens back to when you didn't really need to know too much about what was going on. Because it's everything is there. It's a little simplistic of a story for that, though. So uh, it reminded me a lot of what the kind of stuff John Byrne used to do when he was uh, he was writing Fantastic yeah, Four. Yeah. But uh, you know, we'll, I'm hoping uh, Fraction's going to warm up the characters a bit more, and we're gonna we're gonna get uh, 
there there's some fun stuff in there like you know they're they're in this super fantastic uh spaceship and it's the are we there yet are we there yet are we there yet <laughs> yeah franklin all right yes yeah. actually it was johnny <laughs> oh well yeah, yeah i don't know why i thought otherwise um so that's good and then phantom stranger yep phantom number stranger. four which yeah. is the addition of jm de mateus yes and we were talking about this that maybe uh de mateus would turn this book around for us and for me this book was not a turnaround point this was another disturbing bump in the road um it's got a beautiful cover i will give it it's got a beautiful cover but from the word go this book is this this issue is goes like nowhere it's all about um constantine uh now i challenge myself every time i say that word it's constantine no, it's constantine Tine. according okay. to alan moore so okay. if he's British, he's Constantine. If he's blonde, he's Constantine. If he's Keanu Reeves, he's okay. Constantine. It's the only way that we can sleep at night. So it's Constantine uh, messes with the stranger, pulls him in, and wants to, him to join Justice League Dark because the the uh, the magic of the DC universe is uh, getting stronger, and they need they need him there. So it's it's one of those nasty little things where all these characters you like in their own books all like or act like jerks so that they can have conflict among themselves, and yeah, uh, the Frankenstein monster is apparently in Justice League Dark, and he's which is logical actually, but like I haven't and, but I haven't read Justice but League he's Dark. He's part of that other big organization, right? Isn't he part of like, Shade? Shade, but Shade I think was falling apart because his book was canceled. Okay. Basically, Frankenstein agent of Shade is over, so okay. they need to find a place to put him. Anyway, uh, I don't read Justice League Dark, and I expect that there won't be too much longer that I'll read Phantom Stranger. It's just... Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, for the record, though, I unfortunately doubt that I will disagree with you. I haven't read it yet, so I want to check. And the other thing I'd say is we'll jump around a little bit tonight because we have to say that um, if you are not reading Justice League Dark... And I'd say if you are a speculator, you may want to start taking a look at it because many of these characters are going to show up in what has been confirmed as Guillermo del Toro is indeed developing what he'd originally, what we'd originally announced on this podcast as being called Heaven Sent. Uh-huh. Um, but there's a new title, and the I, dark? I, it's, it's it? the dark. I think it's I think it's yeah. I think it's the dark, and uh, it is essentially a version of Justice League Dark. Though rumor has it very heavily uh, adapted, uh, and, and why not? Because, again, you can't tick him off anymore. Uh, Alan Moore's uh, Swamp Thing Annual Number 2, where Swamp Thing went to hell mm-hmm. and met all the all those characters. Um, so it's rumored that that's where he's taking as his launching pad, is these dark heroes. And he's been in talks with DC for some, oh, with Warner, for some time so that they can have this kind of because they're realizing that the one thing Marvel hasn't done effectively cinematically oh yeah they may have gotten there first with the Avengers right but they haven't gotten there with their supernatural characters and shown that there's a darker side to their superhero universe which DC has done when you think about this this is weird to realize not only did you have though bobbled Constantine, who will Constantine will be part of this Del Toro project, right? But Swamp Things had two ser- two, movies, two movies and a series, a television series and, and a an animated series, series. Yeah. <laughs> and 
Um, though Marvel, not officially on their own, try, has tried, I guess, through Sony with two Ghost Riders, it's just not the same. So uh, yeah, if we know that far back, they also did Doctor Strange on television. Yes, and Peter Van Hooten, where are you? Um, and uh, yeah, there's <laughs> they don't count that. Look, not even Stan Lee will count that, and he'll take credit for anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, that was during the dark years. Where now he's just, uh, yeah. that was during the red brown uh, Captain mm-hmm. America years. When Universal was developing them all, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Spider-Man and that. But anyway, so anyway, these characters are worth taking a look at. I'm not so sure that what's happening in the new 52 is worth it. But as I suspected, that was one of the reasons why I think Hellblazer was canceled as a book, and there's going to be a Constantine number one that's set firmly in the new 52, so there's no confusion when this hits the movie theaters. You know, Assuming it is Guillermo del Toro, which means a lot of things can rest between here and and there of it actually appearing, but these characters are getting in play in the media again, and people are going to start paying attention to it. It's kind of interesting because when you think about the characters that are in Justice League Dark, you got um, uh, Zatanna, the, Zatanna, the ro- uh, Rose, um, uh, Black Orchid, Black Orchid, um, <laughs> the Rose. Well, there's, Ro- there's Rose and the Thorn, right? Uh, yeah. But that's not Black Orchid. You got Frankenstein, um, Constantine, uh, that. Dead Man is Dead Man dead officially just Sleep Dark. Yeah. He's, he's in this issue too. Um, it, if when you think about those being adapted for a movie, and you get these characters that they're not going to have time to do any kind of like origins of each of the individual ones, and they all have very uh, deeper origin stories. Yeah, it's going to feel a lot like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I think it could be potentially, but, you know, you yourself have spoken, like, with certain heroes, like Superman, you're tired of seeing an origin story. Right. Um, but none of these have ever had their origin story told. Well, Swamp Thing has. He's not He's not part of Justice League Dark, though. Yet. If they bring him in, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, but I, I think about that and I go, but, you know, re- really, like, sh- like, the brave and the bold actually proved that you can get away with it. Without too much, like Dead Man was uh, was early on there. They explained yeah. that they got his origin done in five minutes, and th- and that's the reality. Again, watching the Tim Burton Batman for all <laughs> its flaws, the origin being told in like just looking at a newspaper headline and saying this is what happened. Can you imagine what that did to a kid? Mm-hmm. Well, we did. We are imagining it's Batman. You know, the same thing is Dead Man is boom. He was killed. He's now his spirit roams the earth looking for for some kind of justice you put the specter in it's the same thing and you know it it really can everybody's origin (laughs) can be dismissed in a line um almost the same line (laughs) constantine has no origin it's just sort of like i muck about magic mate and uh that'll be the tagline of the series I muck about in Magic Mate. Well, he's told what he did when he was a younger kid. Yeah, in well, and it's the same. And when I thought about it, because I'm reading the the Dark Horse um, uh, Angel and Faith book. Yeah, it's the same. I realize it's the same in origin as Giles. Yep. Uh, and uh, sorry, Whedon fans, Constantine did come first. So uh, anyway, the you know it is Black Orchid. There is no origin, so it just just it's exists. A Frankenstein. Frank. Look, if you need an explanation for Frankenstein at this that point, Frankenstein, you don't need it though. Okay, please. In this age of deconstruction, it's just like Twilight. He's a vampire. <laughs> oh, please, uh, yeah. 
Uh, he doesn't sparkle in the light. But anyway, so there's that. Let's get move on to the big okay. thing of the week. Superior Spider-Man, number one, by Dan Slott. The book that people have given him death threats over. We have our issues. They may be different than most people that are angry at Dan Slott. We're totally mad at him for a different reason. Yeah. So, you just read this. I read this this afternoon. And we've got... We have a Otto Octavius who who apparently is in Parker's body, and he keeps on telling himself, "I am Peter Parker." Well, I've got to stop thinking like this. I'm Peter Parker because of the things that he promised Parker as Octavius at the body end of at the end of Amazing Spider-Man number right. seven hundred. And if you did, you read the Avenging Spider-Man? I uh, did 15. not read 1? that issue. That's still my stack. Yeah, it, it fifteen point one. So they did a point one issue. No, I did not. Okay, so. Both 700, and again, because you and I can sit at this table and we understand licensing and we understand that everything will, the status quo will be fine in a year, I can we can sit back and say, tell this story you wish to tell and we'll enjoy it. Right. So on its own terms, whether you're angry about it, which is funny because here we are at the same time mad that it's not our phantom stranger. Right. Um, I guess the the less that's happened. No, no, no. That's just. It's not that it's not our Phantom Stranger. It's just not being told well. Okay, and so that's as you hear. I thought that amazing everything leading up to Amazing Spider-Man seven hundred was on its own terms logical. Uh, It was well written. Uh, I wasn't angry. I just went, okay, all right, tell me this. Okay, there's some things. uh, Fine, 700 ends with Peter Parker saying, uh, or or the Peter Parker, quote, unquote. The infused. In the body of Octavius saying, you know, their their memories have melded and twisted and it's hard to separate out. And Octavius realizes with with great power comes great responsibility, and I'll protect the innocents. And Peter Parker says that, or in Octavius' body says, that's all I've ever tried to do, and dies. And then in Avenging Spider-Man fifteen point one, I'll try not to despoil. It's that it's more Octavius like looking over his career of fighting. Right, Spider-Man, and and having this total arrogant attitude, but coming to the realization that even with all his arrogance, with all his belief in superiority, Peter Parker kept winning. So clearly, there was something wrong in the way he had been, and he and so kind of realizing that he is now truly in the right, as you say, in the right body, that he is in the superior person. That Spider-Man was always better. Than Doctor Octopus, no matter what Doctor Octopus thought, right? Because he always won. So those two things, in a very egotistical way, coming around to heroism, because now he gets to play the person that he realizes had always been superior anyway. I was ready for a superior Spider-Man launching into an, an Otto Octavius in conflict with himself, certainly, certainly because he's got old habits that have to die hard, but trying to do do the right thing for reasons that he's not entirely comfortable with, but understanding. And I was actually looking forward to him adopting and not having this inner monologue every two pages about I'm Doctor Octopus and why does Peter Parker why did he do this and why did, right because he's supposed to have all the memories and so he should know why he felt that way or why he did this and. And it was, it wasn't, it wasn't bad up until the last page, but <laughs> no, I mean, because I, I, because when he when he swings into action against this new sinister six and says like, 
And he it was it was a quip that is so Spider Man and yet so arrogantly octopus like like they'll let anyone into the Sinister Six these days. Yeah. Depending on how you read it, it works it's, for both yeah, characters. I thought that was well written. That was a great great bit. And I did like the idea that he's now the superior Spider Man, so he figures out how the fight's going to go ahead of time and sets up the arena that they're going to fight in and then takes them down fundamentally and without um, any damage to people, right. without endangering anyone. Yeah. Without endangering anyone, without without uh, any ty- kind of uh, remorse and somewhat brutally in a couple of cases. Oh, yes. Um, and that was what I was expecting from this book. And and, that, I, and I wanted to and I want to see which was which is the groundwork's being laid of this. How are other people responding to this personality change? And that's what's going to get a little bit weird because <laughs> I mean his his uh, at Horizon Labs he's a little bit more he's colder with the the people he works with, but he gives his Max. Um, the things he's working on, he shows him he's going to make him a lot more money and he's going to get credit for it and all this, this other stuff. And he has to reconcile the fact that Parker's going to get credit for him, but he, he, he does reconcile the fact that Parker's yeah, going to get Yeah, because he's never going to be Octavius again, right? So um, that, that, was all, that was all fine. And, and, then, yeah. and then we get to the last panel, which is admittedly is at the end of the fight where he's beating, is it Boomerang? I think uh, he, boomerang's involved. Yeah, yeah I, I think he's, he's the he's, shocker boomerang. Um, I, I think he's actually beating on boomerang, and he's going to kill him. Yeah, and then a blue hand appears and pulls back I on his. I didn't hand. need the blue hand. I didn't need and a good artist. Anything blue. <laughs> a good artist could have just made it clear the fist was shaking. Yes, or something was staying. Couldn't him. get it to go. Yeah, and you flip the page. And we've got Obi-Wan Kenobi Parker Ghost standing beside him. You know what's worse? It's Hayden Christensen. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. And it, telling him that he he's not going he's going to be there and he's not going to let him kill anyone and he's going to and it's like wait a minute. And and he makes he swears it's Parker's dialogue now the blue ghost Parker has swears I'm not going to let dialogue what? says and I will make it back I will come back and I will be Peter Parker again yeah in the first issue of this book where we are supposed to be thinking about fundamental changes to Spider Man they just wimped out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, it's all in line with, you know, we alluded to on the last podcast that I had a theory. It's all in line with it. Yeah. Is that they have so perfectly fused. They had so perfectly fused that it's not Octavius at all. And it doesn't, it's not a ghost either. It's some it's, manifestation it's a, of a his Peter Parker brain. subconscious. Yeah. That Peter Parker is still Peter Parker, but the brain, the mind transfer, the memory transfer is convinced him is convinced him that he's octavius so he's thinking like octavius great fine interesting interesting approach because in a lot of ways especially as you point out really well written really well paced up until that point where it's clear yeah octavius is better he is doing things better and finding a way to i mean and to be fair peter parker as written there's no way peter parker could have been 
anything other than what he was. But that Octavius, without having the guilt that Peter has, is allows himself to feel free to enjoy Peter Parker's life in a way that Peter can't. I find that a very realistic approach. And then, interested, you know, in a year, what is Peter Parker going to do? Remembering that he does know how to live life in a different fashion, right? But if he gets, will that free him up to a reassert bit himself? Will angsty, he get to be self-conscious? Right. Um, you know, actually, when I was thinking about this, it reminded me a lot of a, a real watermark that we semi-revisited recently too. In in the Parker in the uh, in the Amazing Spider Man and that was issue one hundred because in that issue at well, the he end, got six arms he got he got two additional sets of arms and you look at it and you go my God this is this is a fundamental physical change to this character he can yeah. no longer pass himself off right. as as Peter Parker what's this going to do to the character and they resolved it in two issues. Yeah, and I was always disappointed that it that it was. Well, that was a different that time. That I mean, was a different time, and um, but because even, that's before the that, internet, that was seventy two, yeah. seventy one. But even even back then, I was kind of disappointed that it was just it was just kind of like, oh, we uh, take the amazing potion from Morbius's blood, and hey, the arms just kind of withered and dropped away. They, right, they magically poofed away. They didn't. You don't. You don't get any of that. Oh, well, that sounds uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> But it's 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 much the same thing. Set up for this story was how many years back did they say they were they had gone back yeah. to get this to go and to in the first issue of this new book that we're supposed to believe is now the Spider Man status quo Spider Man. Um, oh, got a pronunciation issue that uh, that we have uh, we we in the last page of this one basically say hey don't worry it's all going to be okay. Which again, I knew, but still, I wanted to see. Uh, give me some suspense. That yeah. Let it be a while before there's a revelation. Let Octop- Octopus revel in this for a while, in and then being, have him acting a little. In quirky. being the superior Spider-Man, I mean, yeah. he just he's better at it. This, although I, I realize too, it's another case of uh, just like the like Banner and the Indestructible Hulk. If you are a genius in the Marvel universe, you are good at everything. And I realized, again, I get a further analogy. If this was the real world and if being a genius was enough to solve everything, Stephen Hawking would be walking today. Yeah. Arguably, you know, arguably one of the, the smartest men who've ever lived and he can't cure his own disease. But if you is in the Marvel Universe, you know, they, so that widespread thing of like, I, I am getting, come on, this is ridiculous. This is the thing now people will mock. Uh well, it's just a comic book. I know, but it's still, it's like, you know, it is one of those things. It, 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 in the Marvel Universe, then, why is there any suffering at all? Because if you've got a world with, with Tony Stark, Reed Richards, and and Bruce Banner, and Peter Parker, the four of them, if they could sit down and concentrate for a night, could cure everything. You know, I did like that in the death of Captain Marvel when he had cancer. And I recall that. did have all those guys working on it, and they couldn't cure his cancer, which felt it felt it validated the reality of the universe for me, the Marvel universe, not our universe. Of yes, but really, I didn't. But you know, but back then, the concept of them as super geniuses didn't. It wasn't as out of control That's as true. it is these That's days. True. You know? That's true. <laughs> hey, before we leave comics, 
Okay. I, I wanted to. Well, I'm not going to leave comics. Well, I, you know, we're going to go to another section. Of I'm going to see other genres, but you know. So. I just wanted to pass along kind of a PSA on digital comics for folks. And this has been kind of my nightmare for uh, for quite a while since we started um, seeing these being broached more and more. Um, I had already had last year a problem with the comicsology. Um, yeah, I remember you telling me that. Yeah, uh, when their application for mobile devices, when they stopped updating it, and I could no longer read the books that I had bought. Wait, 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 wait. Was that Comicsology or Comic Graphically? Graphic? Was it Graphically? Yeah, yeah I guess it's. You could open up to lawsuits if you get Sorry. the wrong name down. So it's Graphically. Graphically. Sorry. My apologies. I do. I, I, Comixology is the one that is compatible with the Marvel stuff as well. Yes. Yeah. So this was graphically, and they did. I had both mostly bought the Arcana, Arcania, uh, Arcana. There's, there's Arcana. Yeah, I and know. There's Arcana. Arcana. So you have to know both. Yes. Um, books through them, and when they decided not to do their app anymore, these books that I had bought specifically to read on my iPad, I could no longer read on the iPad. I couldn't read them on the browser either because they required Flash in the browser, and that wasn't supported on the iPad. Right. So I can still read the books, but I can only read them on the on the web, and I really have no interest in reading them at my desktop or carrying them on my right, laptop. Right, so, right, right. So that was, that was like the first... Uh, kind of like disturbing thing about buying digital comics. And you know, I'm a very, I'm a very technical, bleeding edge kind of uh, idiot. I, I, I go for just about anything uh, right when it first comes out. Yes. This week, I when uh, we both ended up in Southern California in preparation for my trip there, I decided I was going to. I when I get my digital comics, I go into the um, Marvel Redeem webpage, and I type in, I, I type the number in from the digital comic, and I register them in my database. I don't necessarily download them at that point. I just want to have them in my yeah. database so I can download them when I want them. But in preparation for going on the flight, I said, "Well, I'm going to pick up. I'm going to pick some of the new issues that I've got that I haven't read the paper ones for, and I'll have them on my iPad." Yeah. And when when I went to the uh, went to the database, they were gone. And there were like six titles that I had I had recently picked up and registered, and they were gone. And I checked it on multiple devices. I went online, tried it, and I, so I finally I wrote to Marvel uh, Support. Now, the good thing about this is that I wrote to Marvel Support, and within a couple of days, they got back to me. And what they told me was they had had a database problem, and that uh, a lot of the recent a lot of recent issues had disappeared from people and I had sent them a list of the issues that I had was right, missing okay. and they said they had been able to restore all the ones that I had listed except for one and for that one they had to send me a new code to enter now there's two things here one I still don't know if that's all the books that I'm missing because I don't have a separate list outside of their database as right to what, and why would you what you know you would now you might start keeping a database yeah. of what you bought separate from what they tell you you bought because they're in they are in control of what of you knowing what you've bought by virtue of going to that app and seeing it you can't yeah. remember every comic you've bought and they don't do no they don't all come come back to you the other one is that this must have been fairly bad damage because they had to give me a new code for one of the issues that i told them that i had so they couldn't restore that i right. had to get it again and i don't know how deep this goes 
I don't know how deep this goes. I don't know how well, many and, issues I'm actually missing. And the other thing is, though, even though you got um, good customer service, yes. after you wrote to them, they didn't let you know we've had a database crash. No, they told me. After you wrote to them. After I wrote to them, yes. What I'm saying is... They didn't go out and tell other people. How many people have not heard right. that... Um, by the way, if you haven't had time to get to your collection for, and this is the problem I have in general with, I don't like the concept of the cloud. I don't like the concept of, even though God knows I'm still spending money on iTunes and because, which I knew was going to happen once I got an MP3 player, um, that we don't own it. Mm -hmm. And that's why I've always liked having a hard copy of something. Whether I, if I choose to recycle a comic, whatever, that's my choice. I have the hard copy copy i get to do what i want with it yeah even if you even if you don't own the hard copy you can usually download and if you can back that up that's all great but the two messages here are once one if the method you have for being able to read that issue goes away yeah you may still have the binary of of it there in your in your storage system but it's useless to you Right. And how, how many technologies, how many things have you bought 20 years ago that you can still access today as far as, I mean, you know, I have a, I do have an LP player over there, uh, but a lot of people don't. don't and may Although still those are still making a comeback. I mean, they I've seen a lot of that. The, 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 the VHS <laughs> is not making a comeback. No, nor should it because it sucked. <laughs> um, I, I freely admit that. Look, because we, we were talking earlier um well, we're going into movies, so we can talk about technology. Yeah. CES. So that was that's the end of that. Yeah. Now, so CES so. is going this week, and then we're on a technology rant. Yeah. Um, you know, and that, and that's to say, like, uh, I am not bitter about v, the Velocity VHS. I am happy having adapted all the way up to this uh, element of Blu-ray. I do not feel a need to go any further with my technology because this it, <coughs> at this week at CES, the big thing was the 4K TVs, and I got a thing from Sony saying. We've remastered five or six films in 4K. Uh, Netflix, by the way, is gonna is launching 3D that they can that you can uh, download 3D films. Yeah, uh, assuming you have the 3D equipment. And again, none of it as nice as it is. It's like, well, I don't want to be at home watching with glasses, wearing glasses. I well, I wear glasses. I don't need to wear another pair of glasses at home. You're three inches away from the screen. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, oh, is the, the 4K, 40, what is it? It's called 4K. 4K. Um, there's also ultra bright, and they were also showing incredibly, insanely thin high-definition televisions. But the 3D is... How thin do I need it? Uh, well, it, thinner means lighter, and thinner means easier to put on the ma on the wall. So if you if you want that seventy inch screen and you've got seventy inches of wall space, it makes it much more likely you be be able to mount that TV up there. Um, but the the interesting thing for me is not what was there; it was what's not there. And three D is not really making any kind of splash. Well, and that that's been going on for some time, and very quietly though, is that the three D TVs really aren't because. People aren't sold on it. And, I, again, you and I talked about this a little briefly, is that there's a, a segment of the population that no matter what you do, um, eye injury, eye disease, or motion sickness, I mean, that's, you know, um, 
they can't watch 3D. They right. simply can't watch it. So why should they spend the extra to do that? Like, you know, um, I'm okay buying my Blu-rays and having the 3D version in the hopes that someday I will uh, get a 3D TV. But I would like it to. I would like again, like I said, to not have to wear an extra pair of glasses in my house in order to do it. Yep. Yeah. So, so that's not there. You're right. You're right. Um, but the but these different competing formats are of new revised TVs. But they're saying in general, high end televisions have not really picked up, and I think that's just more of a sign of the economy. Is uh, you know, is we just don't uh, is people just can't afford them right now. No. And we need somebody. We need the front line to afford them so that the uh, possibilities will will uh, drive down the prices because there's more and more people buying them. You know, so. Uh, I don't know if there's anything else at CES that caught your attention, but not really. I mean, I, I used to go to CES all the time. And, I thought so. And, I thought that was one of the shows, but that was before you met us. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but it's it's you know it's not Microsoft doesn't go anymore. So it's it wasn't when I was going. I used to be able to write part of it off. And, yeah, yeah. So should we talk more about movies? We should talk a little because Cause they list they they announced the Oscar nominations. They today. did indeed, and there are a couple of movies we like, and there are a couple of movies we like that are missing. Well, you knew the Avengers wasn't going to get squat. I did not know that. Ah, uh, <laughs> best movie of the year? I don't know. Um, you know, but I'll, I'll say no. I didn't expect because, like, you know, when when a genre film has been given them that nod as best picture. It's like Return of the King, um, which ultimately did. Didn't it get Best Picture um, that year? Because it was just such a massive undertaking and no one had done it. Dark Knight was nominated, but that's because there was a depth to the Dark Knight. I'm not going to lay claim that the Chitauri are a metaphor for anything other than fun. Um, They're a metaphor for the scrolls. It's a fun vision. Um, You know, that the Avengers was just pure fun and pure fun no longer is going to cut it yeah, I for that so I, I i was not uh no the I, oscar the oscars and, and of course for people who who know this it's it's voted on by the film academy academy of motion pictures arts and sciences and so it's it's Ampus. it's a uh it's kind of like you're awarding your friends and your co-workers and there's oh, cer- yeah. certain types of movies that just are not appreciated by that group, however many of them may be involved in the creation of them. Uh, well, I think that that's shifting. because. But one of the things is most of the Academy members up until about a decade ago were like the, I think the youngest member was 60. In order to get invited in, I think like you're automatically offered membership if you are nominated. So... For a long time, the votership um, has skewed majority older, and those are the same mm-hmm. people nominating. And so there the, t- had tended to be people that don't appreciate, appreciate genre as anything other than, well, genre is fun, but it's not it's not art. Um, and admittedly, you know, I, I don't know. We can argue, and, we'll, and people will argue until long after we're dead, is Star Wars art? Or was it just purely commercial and and fun and and can fun be art? And that's the same thing when you talk about the Avengers. Yes, uh, great movie. <clears throat> I will watch that over and over. Will I watch Argo, for example, a film I loved, 
Will I watch that over and over? Probably no, not. No. But I'll still go back and watch Star Wars, and I'll still go back and watch and I think, uh, Avengers. I, I, I dislike people who think they can identify and, and define art as something rigorous and, and, uh, you and can't. exclusive. And because I think that art is an expression, and expression can be joyous, it can be silly, it well, can be. I think I, I think popular. back to I, you know the first academic who wrote a paper on Dickens must have faced a lot of crap. You know, for example, now that's literature, but when he was alive, he was populist. Just yeah. like you know, now we might be too quick to rush academia into like you know, let's canonize Joss Whedon. But at some point in the future, people are going to look back so. and go, the storytellers yeah. remain. And it's like, oh, Joss Whedon's work was interesting. Yep. Um, so I just think our culture is too quick to start turning its navel-gazing on itself like we that. We study the Marx Brothers in college. Mm, you know, There was an art. So uh, quickly, let's, let's go through a couple of the highlights. Okay. So we already talked about a couple of the best picture nods. Amour, Argo, Beast of the Southern Wild. Which I haven't seen yet. I haven't, I haven't seen that either. But this does provide, by the way, in the Best Actress category, the youngest nominee and the oldest. Oh, my. Because really? the uh, nominee from Beast of Southern Wild, I don't know her name, she's nine. Um, so she was eight when she filmed, when she made the movie. And the oldest is from Amour. She's 85. So um, cool. quite, a, quite a span. The next one? Django Unchained. Which I still haven't seen. So. Uh, you haven't seen it? you got to go see it. No, but I did see those fantastic action figures for it. But go ahead. Les Miserables, mm-hmm. Life of Pi, Lincoln, which, you know, right now everyone's saying it's Lincoln or versus Argo. And I, I think Lincoln's got a little more heavyweight. I think Lincoln's going to appeal more to the, yeah. to the thing. I'm I'm in this list. I'd be pulling for Argo as much as I'd love to see Django Unchained. I'd just love to see... That's not going to happen, but it's okay. I'd love to see him go up there and accept the award. No, because I find him actually kind of tedious when he makes speeches. Okay. But, uh, and by he, I'll call a spade a spade. Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino. I enjoy Tarantino. his films, but I find him tedious. Exhausting uh, to listen to. Silver Linings Playbook, which I haven't... Uh, which was really good. It was? Okay. And Zero Dark Thirty, which is very controversial. Now, yeah. Very political. I haven't seen that yet. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. Ben Affleck did not get a nod for director nomination. No, 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 no. Which everyone thought he was going to. Yeah, so let's yeah. just skip those altogether. Lead actor. <laughs> okay. Bradley Cooper, Silver Lining Playbook. Daniel Day-Lewis and Lincoln. You know, you could have that matchup with Best Actor and Best Picture. Uh, Hugh Jackman and Les Miserables. You yeah. could have that matchup with Best Actor and Best Picture. Um, although I don't think... Limiz. I liked Limiz, and it's, but it, I don't know that it's one I'm going to ever no go back and watch again. No, but I, I want to say this about Bradley Cooper and Silver Linings Playbook. You could probably listen to old podcasts when they, he was rumored to be in line to play Hal Jordan, and I was dead set against him. I hate Ted Bradley Cooper. Yeah. I saw Silver Linings Playbook, and that was the first movie I've seen Bradley Cooper in where I felt sympathy for him. I liked him. I found him human. And uh, let me say it like William Shatner. Uh, <laughs> of, of all the actors that I have seen, <laughs> that I've ever hated. he is the most human. <laughs> uh, sorry, that was my little tribute to Star Trek Wrath of Khan. Uh, McCaw! No. So, um, you know, I, I, he did do a great job in that. He was, he was likable, and I've never found him likable. 
So we got Joaquin Phoenix in The Master and Denzel Washington in Flight. No, it's Phil, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman in The Master, isn't it? No, Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix. Phoenix. I saw it the other way around. Yeah, that's that's under. I'm reading from the New York Times. Uh, lead actress Jessica Chastain from Zero Dark Thirty. Dark Thirty. Jennifer Lawrence, Silver Lining Playbook. Emmanuel Riva 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 for for from War. She's the 85 year old. Uh, oh, Quince uh, Hayne Wallace. Cajun girl. She's a nine-year-old. Beast of the Southern Wild. And Naomi Watts in The Impossible. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. So, supporting our actors, we've got Alan Arkin in Argo, Robert De Niro, Silver Lining Playbook, Philip Seymour Hoffman in The Master. Ah, oh, that's why I thought. Okay, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. And okay, Tommy Lee Jones in Lincoln. we got Lincoln getting a lot of interesting... And okay. Christopher Waltz in Django Unchained. I love Christoph Waltz. He, I don't think he's Christopher. Christoph, you're right. And he's Django European, Jan- you know. He he sounded European in that movie. Yeah, because he is European. <laughs> I thought he was he was just so much fun to watch. Uh, supporting actress, and this is the one where I think we uh, well, Amy Adams in The Master, Sally Field in Lincoln, Anne Hathaway in Les Misérables, which everyone mm-hmm. is saying is like. Uh, yeah, she was amazing in that. And she I mean, was. I, I'm overusing that adjective. I really thought she did a fantastic. Uh, nah, she did a great job. Helen I'm Hunt trying and, not to use as many superlatives. Helen Hunt and Sessions, Jackie Weaver and Silver Lining Playbook. They did get a number of uh, nods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So animated feature film, uh, Brave, which I did not see. Mark Andrews and Brendan Chapman. I'm not going to. Uh, Frank and Weenie, Tim Burton, Paranorman. Mm-hmm. Sam Fell and Chris Butler, The Pirates, yeah, Band of Misfits, Band of Misfits Peter yeah. Lord, and Wreck It Ralph. Uh, the only one out of those that I have not seen is Pirates. Yep. Um, and so I'm going to say <coughs> that out of those, I've seen all the others. Uh, I enjoyed Frank and Weenie. And actually, after watching uh, well, the D- the Blu-ray just came out this week, in fact. Um, and after watching uh, the live action short it was based on, back, you know, that was made back in 1982, originally I had thought, oh, this is really just, it was kind of just a knocked off remake. But after watch, rewatching the short, I went, no, no, actually, the, the, they did more with it than I thought they had the first time I watched it. So I liked that. And I, I liked Paranorman. I thought Paranorman was a good movie. But out of all of those, the movie, the one of those that I look forward to seeing, to again. watching again the most, is Wreck-It Ralph. I would have to. I felt I felt bad after we did our, our best of last week, and I listened and I went, why did I not bring up Wreck-It Ralph for movie? Because that was a film that I found myself, uh, you know, uh, just tearing up at the end. I thought, you know, one of those movies where I really cared. Yeah, it really grabbed you. Even and Sarah, I wanted, Sarah Silverman, who I, you know, she's she's great comic relief most of the time but she really had a uh it was moving she voiced a uh character she that really was... did a great job so i want to i just to cut you cut it short a little bit not to get bogged down because a lot of this isn't genre but when you go to the best animated short the short that played before wreck it ralph paper man right that was, that's that's got that should win I, that I, was I, just I a beautiful example of what you can do with animation and storytelling and just just sweet Sweet film, yep. and uh, I, I loved that movie. It is it is uh, amazing to me that uh, Django Unchained is in so many of the categories that sound editing and uh, oh, I just saw it in another one. Um, 
But you know, I don't want to. Yeah. Bother, I think We're most, not gonna... people, most people listening, and myself, I, I I admit, like when you get to sound mixing and sound editing, and there are two different those are the ones that sci-fi film and uh, genre films. I don't know what get. the heck it is, you know. Yeah. So. Um, I don't. I don't always but understand it, it the difference. Gets in the list. It's the it's the eight Oscar nominees right, right, and their right. ads and stuff. It right. Helps, but helps let's talk. Them. Let's now. Let's look to movies of, of the year because we saw one and we both. And here we are at the yes. table. We both saw the same one this week that opens Friday. Oh crap! Which means I have to write a review tomorrow. Uh, is <laughs> Gangster Squad, which had been delayed. It was originally meant to be an August release. Was delayed by Warner Brothers in the wake of the Aurora, Colorado. Uh, shootings. Um, so I thought really, like, oh, man, Warner cannot catch a break on this, no. that they put James Howe, whatever his name is, the guy that did the Aurora shootings, uh, started his trial started this week, the week they went right. ahead and released our releasing Gangster Squad. Yep. But let me say, uh, the other thing why fanboys and fangirls should be, should be intrigued by Gangster Squad is that the screenwriter is the same one who has, was revealed to have been working on a ju- the new Justice League screenplay for at least the last six months. Um, and because it was based on his work on Gangster Squad that Warner Brothers thought he should be the guy to, to tackle Justice League. Mm-hmm. And after watching Gangster Squad, I can say I agree. This is the rare moment where, wait a minute, Warner Brothers, so far you made a choice I have to agree with. You know, I'm not used to that. Um, it was very applicable to the the same kind of story because you have a it's the assembly of this team of the team yeah and you get little mini vignettes that introduce each of the characters and you get a nice sense of what they are and what they're going to tr- contribute. Um, I just thought it was I mean it was the scripting in this was so clever um, for such a violent and gritty film to have. The audience, and I, I don't laugh out loud at a lot of films. I still go in and enjoy comedies, but I don't laugh out loud. Right. There were some belly laughs in in this. Uh, mm-hmm. But not out of context. Not like no. suddenly a, a wild shift in tone. No, that was needed comic relief. Uh, as many, I'm not the first to observe. It does feel sometimes like James Elroy light. I thought, oh, yeah, this is LA Confidential, and realized a lot structurally got taken from The Untouchables, the Brian De Palma uh, yeah, I can see that. version from the 80s. Um, but I don't care. Uh, these things are – Elroy is derivative of make, Elroy. I think we can make those associations, too, because it's a period of time that doesn't get a lot of film made about it. You know, So when, yeah. you, when you get into that period, you're going to compare it to the few things that you've seen in it, like Chinatown, for example, and – well, yeah, like the coolest, the thing that just like drew me in, and if I may be, my, my Ryan Gosling impersonation from uh, Gangster Squad, uh, Ryan Gosling walking down to uh, uh, Slapsy Maxwell's. Um, so the most depressing thing I read today is that Slapsy Maxwell's was a real club, and I love the name, Slapsy Maxwell's, where uh, Martin and Lewis played. It is now occupied by an office depot. Oh wow! <laughs> so that block is like, why? Why would you do that? Why would you? Why would you take some place as cool as just Slapsy Maxwell's and replace it with? Uh, I'm sorry, somewhere between uh, <laughs> somewhere Ryan, between. Ryan Gosling and Giovanni Ribisi in there. I mean, I want to think about the guy from Office Space <laughs> complaining about that's, his. That's different. That's, it took know, my, my stapler. <laughs> my stapler. It's red. I like my stapler. Uh, no, I don't think it's a very effective. Uh, <laughs> 
I just bought that on Blu-ray too. I gotta find time to watch Office Space. Again. I watch Office Space at least once a year. Uh, you know, because you're just you're not working. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> it's, it hurts too much. Um, so, but ultimately, I gotta say I liked Gangster Squad. My favorite, my favorite part of Gangster Squad. Uh, uh, you can see Josh Brolin, like you know, just facing Nick Nolte and seeing his future. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're not talking about the characters. We're talking <laughs> no, about, about the about really is some point Josh Brolin's got to be going. I'm totally heading this way, uh, and then uh, Nolte just going, yeah. <laughs> but we should. Uh, we. It's painful to listen to Nick Nolte speak. I'm sorry, it really is. Oh, I asked you after the film, did he have trouble with his throat? Did he have some kind yeah, of disease? No, no, it's just, it's just, it's just hard living. <laughs> yeah. Some mileage. <laughs> yeah. uh, we sh- we should make sure people are understand. Incredibly violent film. Incredible. Yeah, but you know, but, yes, it is absolutely. And just like the Untouchables, and yeah. it, look, it's a gang. It's in the title, yeah. Gangster Squad. It's not like they go. Now we're having a squirt gun war. I, don't I know, mean, Gangster Squad sounded. I kept on. It's like Monster Squad, or you know, it's like. It's almost silly in the but they, title but I it. think they actually did call themselves the gangster or or he maybe referred to them as the gangster squad comically during the film, not that they were going to call. But I think other people have. I but I think historically they've been referred to that. Or and I'm not sure, and I need to do the research is because there was a TV series under this name too. There was another, or maybe it is the same group that was alternately known as the Hat Squad. I've heard of that. And they were they and, you know and this is the thing is it's a, it is a movie that is inspired by true events and uh, Daryl Gates uh, appears a very young uh, you know who was infamously the chief of police in L.A. during the Rodney King beatings and so like for me because I lived in L.A. Uh, when Daryl Gates was in ascendancy as chief of police it was like seeing this young actor play him it's like you know for some of us. Um, probably like globally, no, people aren't going to have this thing, but man, if you are a Californian and in particular, if you were a Southern Californian, just the, the fact that Daryl Gates shows up is like, a uh, uh, you know, love him or hate him. You're not indifferent to the concept of Daryl Gates and see him young and useless. is like, what? Uh, he turned into a, you know, something. He was very, very powerful in, in history. So I want, you know, it was one of the, I, and then it's also one of those things where I think, man, I love the that those period in the late forties, like just post war, and and oh, I'm, yeah. I'm having a, a lot of t- a lot of time thinking about this because Django Unchained is kind of probably the same thing. When you realize that these the the westerns as we love them and and these gangster movies, this is a really short time in history. Like they're living there, and I'm I'm like the styles of the fans, fashion's fantastic. I love the music. I love the way everybody looks. I love what's going on. It was like a year, you know, and then, and then it was gone and it's moved on. It's just like, uh, the ephemerality of, uh, of culture is just so like, it's, I, sorry to digress. It's like blowing my mind in 2013, really thinking about that. How, but now so much of it's back in California adventure. That's true. That may be why I can sit. Honestly, we want to go there. We want to talk about, Let's go about there. Disney. I can sit on Buena Vista street. And I don't know why I I want I sh- I will walk in I will walk into 
Elias and company over and over. Like, don't you have a new, you know, like, I'll go on Friday, I'll go on Saturday. Do you have anything new? We should explain that a little bit. That's well, their... One, we were both in Los Angeles. We were both at the park this weekend, even though we never saw we each We never other. saw each other. Well, you know, I think that's for the best. We see each other once it's a week. True. We sit here across the table. It was my time with my wife. Yes. Yeah. And it was my time away from my life. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. Um, but, and, but you have a pass. I have an annual pass, yes. And you head down there like every 15 days. And it's not <laughs> Yeah, no, it hasn't been quite that often because that would make my children sad. But um no, yeah, that's one of the things I decided I've I've never done is wanted to be an annual pass holder because Jason Salazar is an annual pass holder and so I asked him, you know, what's uh you know, what are the pros, what are the cons? And I thought, okay, well I'm down in LA Working on things that I can't say because, like, I'm, I'm on something right now. A couple of things, really, that are, like, NDAs, but I'm there. And so I might as well uh, enjoy, enjoy myself on a weekend if I have time. And, like, a point, you know, like, oh, some new Disneyland that I want to buy. Well, parking's free. So I go down there. And I think we talked about it in the summer, you know, now this Cars Land. And if you were at California Adventure before, it sucked. Uh, <laughs> it got a little bit better, but now it's gotten a whole lot better. So would you agree with me what I've said? Is it, it's, it's like one attraction away from being a park that could stand on its own. Like you could spend an entire day at California Adventure. It's one big thing short. Yeah, you know, we spent a whole day there. We, we bought a three-day park hopper, hopper. Okay. We spent our first day almost ex- – well, that's not true. Um. But we we spent probably more time in California Adventure than we did in the Magic Kingdom. But it was all new to you too, though. I mean, a lot of the that Cars stuff. Land was that was all that was new to us. We had seen we had seen the Midway uh, ride, Toy Story Midway Mania, yeah, you've Little been there, Mermaid, yeah. and we. I had not seen the new um, water ride that they have now in the back. Um, the wet bear jamboree or whatever it is the <laughs> wet bear jamboree there's a bear with, that's not with, a water ride we're, we're close to san francisco man don't do that <laughs> totally different that's a polk street parade uh so uh no um, yeah, there's there's like a adventure grizzly rapids or something yes then there's a park yeah there's, a, there's, there's like a, climbing a wilderness park. wilderness adventure park yeah uh, like it's almost like it should be called Junior Woodchucks, but for some reason it's still left over where they they didn't want California Adventure to feel so Disney. Yeah, and if they just make it Junior Woodchucks, they've and got let the pictures ducks of be that there. kid in 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 there. Oh, Russell, yeah, Russell whatever from, he is, from yeah, from yeah, 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 okay, yeah, because it is more Pixar's park. I I didn't do that, and it is my regret when I took my kids this summer. My daughter wanted to go in there, and I was like, I I can't do any more physical activity. Did you find the Wreck It Ralph uh, video arc? Yeah, games? yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. I mean, that's been there for a while. Okay, I've uh, never seen it but, before. Well, but, you know, I've been a few times in the yeah. last couple of months. As you just pointed out, every 15 days <laughs> I go, no. I, I'd, I'd seen the record Ralph. This was the first time I'd seen that Ralph was there signing autographs, yeah, which I thought was huge cool. huge line. Well, because, dude, that movie rocked. I guess Kids so. Kids love it. I don't know how the toys are doing, but the concept is great. And every time I point out to somebody, oh, yeah, like I've got the little app. I have just the free Fix-It Felix um, game that they down here, that they have the on iPhone. Yes, I'm like gesturing like I the it's, iPhone's on the table, but I'm actually gesturing. I'm pantomiming my iPhone. But when I tell people, oh, there's that, and they, and they, you know, no matter how old they are, if they've seen the movie, they go, oh, I want to play that game. Yeah, and they and download it. And I've heard that the that the actual games they have, like there's one for Wii, and there's a fuller app uh, that, that you can pay like two ninety nine for. They're still not as like 
immersive in the universe. It's like pieces of like you don't get to do Sugar Rush. You get to do the mini games of Sugar Rush, but yeah. not all the ones. And so I was like, no, oh, I'd really like to have that level to level thing. So I don't know how that, but games a different issue. But as a park, uh, you know, I think uh, California Adventure. I could spend. I do often, you know, I can walk around in Cars Land and feel like that you, does exactly what Cars Land should should do, which is feel exactly like I walked onto the set of a movie. And I can't tell you how many times I've overheard people say that, and I just laugh to myself when they do when they do it. I think I think part of it is that for so long it went unchanged. So Bugs Life is there. Bugs Life is Bugs Land, yeah, yeah, Bugs yeah. is actually a pretty cool little adventure. If you have small children, it's great. And it's got a stage show. They've got the Aladdin stage show, which I understand is closing, but it's been... Well, you know why? Why? Because they're taking it to Broadway finally. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking it's it's very close to being uh, a Broadway show right now. It's It's only 45 minutes or 50 minutes, but they're doing a full two-act. Yeah, they're going to take it. And it may come back if it doesn't do well on Broadway, but I think it should be. It should be wonderful. I like the staging of it. And the Bugs Land, the stage show, that one's a little creepy. Yeah. A little interactive. uh, That's actually an animal kingdom back in... uh, Right. It's tough to be a bug. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But you've got... And then you've got the Midway. And there's a ton of rides there. I don't ride most of them, but there's a lot of stuff to do out there. California Screaming is a great roller it's a coaster. Wonderful roller coaster. It's a great roller coaster. Midway Mania is a heck the of a lot of fun. Best 3D ride out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know the Cali- and then and then Radiator Springs Racers. You got on it, right? You got we rode that like six times. Yeah. And it's it, a fun ride. That ride has everything. like a hundred and seventy hour, hundred and seventy minute wait for. Yes, you got to go on. You have to go on. I single get the rider. fast. I just get the fast pass in the morning, and then I hope that I, you know, they were out of fast passes by nine o'clock. In the oh, morning I know. Every 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 day. time I've been there. Every time I've been there. Yeah. I mean, I you know I went on opening day and stood in line. Didn't get the fast pass. Stood in line to you know, and uh, it broke down. I was in line. I did that 170 minute wait because I was like, "I'm here. Yeah, I am riding this ride. You will repair it. It's opening day." <laughs> well, you know, the, the original. It's it's kind of based on the test track. Uh, I've heard that, but have, I've never been out there. So well, when we went, the one time we went to the Magic Kingdom to um, this is how we're going to get advertising from the cruise line. By the way, we are positioning ourselves as a Disney all, podcast. Yeah, there we go. Um, Let's bring Rob Cordaway in. When uh, just before it opened, they had test you could you could test the ride if it was working and there was a line that was probably about 60 people long it wasn't that long but it was going nowhere because everyone was just hoping that the ride would come online yeah. and they'd want riders to ride it i spent two hours of, my, of the day waiting in that line and finally just gave up um, oh and they just redid test track i don't know if you no, i hadn't seen it is very heavily it's again this is one of the things driving me nuts about disney it's another one of those things they're dancing around Everything looks like Tron. Uh, Everything looks like Tron, but they won't call it Tron. It's like, come on, just give in. Make it Test Track. Make it Tron Test Track 3 or whatever. You know, they got it. They've got to. Oh, slight divergence. Uh, Tron Legacy. Yes. uh, Had a great soundtrack, right? Yes, Daft Punk. And uh, the Tron um, cartoon show is Revolution. Uprising. Uprising. Uh, has a soundtrack album out now. Oh, I, I haven't that. listened to. I just got it. I haven't listened to it yet. Oh, great, cool. So yeah, we we obviously are then truly Disney fans, uh, you know. And 
yeah, overall, once again. Oh, and the other one, the the one you recommended, which was the Cafe Circle, the Cafe Circle restaurant, yeah, restaurant. Well, the no, the sound, the oh, the music the, from it. Yes, that's it's jazz versions of classic Disney classics, and it's wonderful. Yeah. I just want to have a party just to have that on in the background. Oh, I know. Well, because I was sitting in the Cathay Circle in the in the um, bar. That's a great bar. And listening to it. Oh, I know. I had the Brown Derby. I enjoyed it. Um, Manhattan was a wonderful Manhattan. I I later went back on your pictures on Facebook and saw yes. Um, and did you and did you eat there? Yeah, we did. Uh, great we, restaurant. We were in the second story. We had a window. Well, I think I think the all the, I think all the dining room all the dining is upstairs. Um, yeah, it, and it is adorable. And the Cathay Circle, for those not knowing, is it's a recreation of the uh, movie theater in which Snow White and the Seven Dwarves debuted in 1937. So that's the the opening. You know, now uh, when that park first opened, it was it was hey, it's miniature California, which is stupid because yeah. hey, I'm in California. I I've been there like. Until this year, I had never gone through the wharf area because I'm like, hi, I live between San Francisco and Monterey. I go, that's where my parents took me all the time. Right. And there's no ride there. Ghirardelli, I can go up to San Francisco into the actual factory. Right. Um, but this year I did finally break down and, uh, I would say the, uh, the cheapest breakfast in the park is Le, Be- Le Bedon, uh, the French the bread, bread place, uh, the bread place because they have a, uh, bacon and egg boulet. How's they have a bowl for five ninety five that is bacon, eggs, fruit on a sourdough bowl? That's pretty good. Yeah. We ate it Flo's uh, V eight cafe for that. breakfast. They had Oh, I haven't tried it for breakfast. We are totally turning into a Disney uh, podcast. I did not realize that. Oh, I would have tried that because you know, that's another one of those things. The cast members will be honest. You ask them, say like so when I went there to car went on uh, to Carsland opening day. And I walked into the Elias and Company, which is the was the storefront because it's all connected. But the storefront that's supposedly the menswear shop that Walt Disney would have shopped on right, in right, 1923 right. in L.A. Um, the clerk asked me, you know, did you go to Carsland? I said, yeah, I did. I you know, and I think I had the ears because I bought the day one tire ears. And uh, she said, have you eaten at Flo's Cafe? And I said, well, I'm thinking about it. And she said, no, it's the, it's the best food in the park and i think for the money you spend it's yeah. the best value uh and when i took my kids they they loved it and it's one of the best you know which which california adventure more than uh disneyland seems to be trying to actually you know be a little upscale even oh with yeah their cheap definitely food. i mean the, the fact that you can you can go in there and there are a couple of bars and there's places to buy wine by the glass and they have had the better restaurants. Blue Bayou is probably the top of the line in the Disney in park. Disney, unless you're getting into Club 33, but yeah. neither of us have broken through that yet. But, hey, listen, if any members of Club 33 listen to this podcast, oh, please. please, please. We don't know what we can We don't know what we can do for you. I'll be quiet. I'll sit in the corner politely. Yeah. I just want to hear. Yeah. But, Actually, my friend Mo has eaten there, and it's amazing. We did discover, We I guess we'd never put it together, there's a restaurant that's right next to Blue Bayou that actually has a lot of the same dishes, but you can just walk into it and order. The French Market? Or no, 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 no. Not no, the French no, Market, no, it's no, the other one. There are three right next to each right. other. Right. The but f- the one that's clo- it's closest to the Blue Bayou. Yeah, I've eaten but there But they can't too. be using the same kitchen because there's an aisle that no, separates no, them. No, 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 but I've, I've eaten there too. But they it's, had a French uh, onion soup. They had, oh, they, they have like, four or five variations on that uh and it's not as expensive as blue bayou which costs a lot yeah uh, and it's hard you, to get into 
But you know, I'm found that you just have to make. It's hard to get in because you don't rank a reservation. You got to make reservations. But the other thing, you know, you pay extra for the for the inability to actually read the menu or see what you're eating. Yes, you do. But you get to wave at the people on the Pirates of the Caribbean, right? And they wave at you. Yes. Oh Lord, do they wave at you? or and yeah, so um, if you're going, uh, yeah, Carthay Circle, I totally recommend. That's that's actually my favorite restaurant in the park now. Just oh to- no, I enjoyed it, but uh, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, hey, we had a we had great it, separate but equal weird uh, <laughs> Disney experiences. Uh, did you ride Indiana Jones because that just reopened? I did not. We didn't. Uh, ah, they actually redid a section. Oh, they I was, did. Uh, just a, just a little detail added. Now, when you go down there, like they brightened up. I mean, part of it was, a, it was very clearly dark. a repaint, and everything had you know the, the just faded with time. Uh, so they refurbished, and so like the walls as you go into the queue are, you know, very clearly brighter. There's m- more color variation, more depth to it. But now, when you uh, get past the forbidden eye. Right. Why someone always makes eye contact with that idol? You think they it, it pisses me off. I'd I, like to see what the ride be like without doing. I that. know. I keep hoping for immortality, and it's not happening. But when you go in, and the first time there's an indie figure, there is lightning scoring all the rocks now, and it's oh. just like going through. So it was like, oh, this is new, and they've changed a little bit of the visual effect behind where where indie's trying to hold back whatever spirits are oh, the trying door. to break in the yeah. door. So. Um, I mean, I think that was there. I just think they changed up the effect, which I, I just like. You know, obviously, they, you got to freshen up because of new technology. Like, you know. No, I do like that. And that's one of the rides that you can go, you can get in the single rider line for as well. Yeah, and, and I just skip fast, about an I hour the fast, fast pass, and I'm, yeah. I'm fine with that. And I, you know, and I got to do Haunted Mansion the last days of Jack Skellington, you know, three or four times. So I was happy. And, you know, I, I just love it. And we, they, we both tried the new Three Kings celebration, which didn't have much fun. For us, but I'm glad that Disney's acknowledging it. was that. okay until the Latin band started doing It's a Small World, and then we decided we wanted to leave. I was thinking about that, yeah. you know, because this year, uh, last year, one of the Sherman brothers passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was Richard, who kind of had gone come out of the public eye for a long time anyway. Um, Robert is the one who still lives in California. Well, obviously still lives, uh, but lived in California and stayed there and does public appearances from time to time. And I think it's been a while since there's been a Disney ride that inspired a song like that. Like, it's interesting to think about. It's a Small World is a ride. There's nothing else. And um, Pirates of the Caribbean, until the movies actually did, when you had Yo-Ho, A Pirate's Life for Me, that the rides don't inspire songs the way they used to unless it's well, a the movie pirates uh, of the caribbean song was original that was with the ride right and that's yeah. what i mean it's like that and it's a small world and the sherman brothers wrote those right and so it's like what disney ride since there since has developed its own song that people mm. know like um haunted mansion but that was that's the 60s you know grim oh, ghost in the see. 60s i'm saying now in this crossover thing Disney is right, poised. They haven't right. really created that that thing that has that feel, you know. Um, True. That has seeped into the American consciousness the way that those songs all have. Yeah. I mean, you play Grim Gritting Ghosts. Yes, everybody knows. Oh, you know, they, they recognize that. Um, we also, I think both of us, because we were both there Sunday, right? Yeah. The, the last day of Big Thunder closed on Monday for refurbishment because, and this will tie us into television. TV. 
um, which takes us to Disney as well, TV that um, ABC is looking to develop a Big Thunder television series. Is it going to be called Big Thunder? Big Thunder Mountain. Big Thunder Mountain, yeah. Um, so, and that's one of the things I don't know if that's going to happen to refurbishment or not because they're not far, far enough along in development, but they're trying to make it so that, you know, if you go to Disneyland, you're writing the TV series. That's what, where your connection is and they'll have that. Um, so do you think it's going to be like what they did with the Pirates of the Caribbean sticking, uh, Jack in and positions and yeah. so they'll probably have some of the characters from the TV show. I don't know if they'll be I don't know if their refurbishment will be that slow. I think I think they'll be done with the refurbishment before the TV series gets underway. There are slow parts of that ride cuz like when you hit the bottom part and that and you're going to chug up on the inside of a mountain you Yeah, yeah, no no, that's not what I'm saying, Rick. I'm saying that by the time they are done refurbishing it, I don't know that the TV series will be out of a development oh, I stage. See. I see. You know, it, that's premature to say. Um, but it is interesting that they're you know they're determined that everything is going to be tied in as a as a transmedia property everything everything I wouldn't be surprised if in two or three years there's a television series about young Walt trying to make it on Buena Vista <laughs> Street and I would watch that series I would I mean because you know I mean just think about that there's a movie coming that they were filming uh, I missed it by a week uh, Tom Hanks is playing Walt Disney in uh, Saving Mr Banks. Which is about Walt convincing P.L. Travers to allow him to make Mary Poppins. Hmm. And so I thought about that and I was like, well, if they're going to start like mining their own history for their own movies, why not? The more interesting story is that young artist who... Did Oswald the Rabbit. Uh, who did Oswald the Rabbit. You know, I mean, it might, maybe it's only a year series or a mini series, but there's something about that that could be fun, and then it would make Buena Vista Street even more. Because for somebody like me who loves the 20s and gets it and loves Disney history, that part of the park makes perfect sense. But, like, it's been puzzling me again, because I think about these things. Well, Hong Kong Disneyland, what does Main Street USA mean at the Hong <laughs> Kong Disneyland? Or they're, they're building one in Shanghai. Do they have a Main Street USA in the Hong Kong? Apparently the, so. Uh, in Paris? Uh, I don't know. I do know that they had to do some alteration. I think it's in the Hong Kong one. It might be Tokyo, where one of those, uh, one of those two, they have to build a dome over it um, to get people to f- treat it as an attraction and not as, which is ironic because this is exactly the opposite of what it is in America, oh, as a as a as a place to shop. Because what they found when they opened it up, and I, maybe it was Tokyo, um, is that the tradition is when you go someplace nice, you buy souvenirs for everybody you know first. So nobody was actually going into the park. It was Everything was jamming up on the main street because people were going into the shops. Interesting. To take care of, to take care of their um, the politeness. The people who aren't there, yeah. Their politeness obligations first. So they had to you know, make it the, uh, the illusion more of, uh, of an attraction and not a, and not a shopping mecca. Uh, so, yeah, so Disney's doing that, and Disney has also apparently freed up Star Wars for television, with their long-rumored television uh, version uh, is is in play again, um, which I kind of which made perfect sense. Once Disney has bought Lucas, they own ABC. It's now, time to take a look at it. I haven't been following this. So are we talking about a live action show? We're talking about a live action okay. show, uh, and, and it's not going to be them all in high school, right? 
No, it's going to be. Uh, I think you. Which was the premise? No, at one I point. no, no. I think you're going to dig this. It's, it's it. They the article I read today didn't use the phrase, but we know what it is. It's the Black Sun. Okay. So it's going to follow the Black Sun organization, a bounty hunter picking off uh, people that are living on the downside, the dark side of Coruscant, in the alleyways, in the underground. And um, there's a game coming called Star Wars 1313. Hmm. Um, and apparently there's there will be similar concepts and, and maybe even overlapping, according to some of the script development. But they're getting that the Star Wars universe is big enough that it doesn't matter whatever you're going to do with Episode 7. Right. Um, it what you know. There's enough. There are enough corners that you can tell an interesting sure. story still set in the same universe. Just as they're realizing with Avengers and Shield, you can have a Shield TV series still not confirmed 100 percent for uh, the fall of 2013 on ABC, but likely. Um, and Joss Whedon is filming that pilot right now. Even as we speak, he's not sleeping. He's editing. I think that's great. Uh, yes, um, but that you can do a S.H.I.E.L.D. series, and it's set in the same universe, but we're not going to have that much Avengers crossover. Um, there might be references, and the same thing can happen in Star Wars, but Star Wars is even bigger uh, as, as a universe. I think it would be great if there was just a gag where you know a wall collapses in, and you see like the backside of Thor, and then he, then it's out of the frame. <laughs> it's yeah. like, where they just have like these little... A shield goes by. Right. The actual, exactly. Right. exactly. You never actually Was see that Captain America? Yeah. We couldn't afford the cameo this week. <laughs> oh, it's just Bucky. Um, no, it's just the Falcon. Except the Falcon's actually going to be in Avengers 2. Or, or is in Winter Soldier. Um, they've cast somebody. And I think this is a crossover. I think it's the guy that was in Gangster Squad. Oh, really? Yeah, what's his name? Oh, shoot. Good actor. Good actor. He was in uh, the Adjustment Bureau, too. And... He was one of the better parts of that movie, too. Gosh darn it. What is his name? Anyway, um, so I think that's who I, I think that's who they went ahead and cast. Um, and the other television disappointment, although not disappointing to me, is apparently Guillermo del Toro said that it looks like the Hulk TV series is dead, which would yeah. hurt Nate, the empty chair, which I like we have the empty chair here at the table. Uh, for I feel Nate. like Clint Eastwood. Hmm. Oh, I get it. Yeah, it's political humor. We don't do that here. Um, so uh, he said that's dead. But the thing is, really, I didn't want to have a Hulk series that wasn't the Hulk from, from, the, the, from the movies. Avengers, yeah. I, right now, it's no, I don't want those to coexist. I want them to be sure. the same thing or not at all. And uh, so so that's that's dead. Um, One more TV thing that we should. Yeah, go ahead. Before we close, it sounds like we're closing out. I think wait, we've been at this for a long time. I feel it's been worse. a little while, but we've not discussed the uh, Doctor Who Christmas special. We just kind of skipped over it. I listened to what we said, and we just kind of said, "Well, we enjoyed it, right?" And so we went on forward. But we were, we, were, we tabled the last couple items because we were running yeah. out of time. A um, couple of things. Uh, I they did draw. They did draw the souffle girl illusion so it is the same character somehow uh but you know it's a timey-wimey world who knows i saw an interesting piece of speculation would you like me to say it sure it's speculation rather than a disclosure ready yeah sure yep sure romana yes huh okay so romana 
was a Time Lord. Right. Who was Mary Tam originally? Was that the actress's name? The I tall brunette? I, I don't know. Both of them were attractive usually to wore, me. She, I have a thing for British she women. She was yes. a taller woman, brunette, usually wore a white yes. uh, white dress. Um, when that actress, who had not been with uh, Tom Baker for even a year, she was in, she was in the Key to Time uh, series. And when... She decided to leave. They decided that Time Lords don't just regenerate when they die, but they can also regenerate when they're tired of the way they look right now. And so she, she as wanted to change her look, and she liked the look of a character who had been in a princess from a prior episode who had died. So she decided that she would not only regenerate, but regenerate, to a specific form. This, that's, that's weak. Yeah, this Lala is, Ward. Lala though, right, Ward was the, was the actress who later married Tom Baker, and then they got divorced. And she's married to Richard Dawkins now. Oh, um, but is that what you're referring to? The regeneration that uh, cl- that Oswin or Clara or whatever she is may be Romana. She may be a Time Lord. So the actually Romana. But that's one piece of speculation, but I or... think that's yeah, I think that's just one thing they want to do. So it wouldn't explain why she always looks the same, but there is something, some great mystery there that whatever she is, she is destined to constantly die. Her minds are connected, her lives are connected because she says the same quote, figured out clever boy right. or something to that yeah. effect uh, in both episodes. Right. But what I what I liked about it was um, after. Uh, did we talk about this? That I get to I get to report back how you uh, you shamed me into sh- trying to show my children the Star Wars holiday special. Oh yes. <laughs> well, and I made a deal with them. After five minutes of watching Wookiees grunt at each other in a in an otherwise normal suburban kitchen, <laughs> what the hell was going on with that? Um, <laughs> I said, if this is too weird for you guys, you want to just watch Doctor Who. <laughs> And there's a jazz. So we watched the snowman. And what was great was that it went, at the end of that episode, and I explained when you know he goes off and says, like, oh, and he's revitalized, and you see her turn around in 1968 or whatever yeah. year it is. Um, and my daughter asked, like, well, what, what's the big deal? And I tried to explain, well, you know, he'd run into someone he didn't realize was looks identical in an earlier episode, and she immediately wanted to. To, to watch that episode. that episode, she wanted yeah. to see Asylum of the Daleks because she, you know, it, it, my my daughter accepts that she's going to be forced to watch a, one Doctor Who episode a year, and it's usually the Christmas special. Um, and uh, so, well, the, it was a, for a young woman, that was a great character to get involved in. But this is, and this is the first time that she um, that that she's wanted to actually watch more Doctor Who right on the spot, right? Um, which, you know, I, I, I bought her a book for Christmas, speaking of young women, I just want to recommend because she absolutely devoured it, loved it, and I can't remember the name of the author, but I saw it reviewed on io9 after I had already given it to her, uh, called The Friday Society, about three women in a kind of a steampunk universe, three teenage girls that are, um, that team up to uh, solve a murder mystery. One's a magician's assistant. One is uh, training to be a samurai, but because she's a woman, she's being held back. Right. And as they're introduced, each chapter begins with, uh, and then everything, exp- everything blew up. Hmm. 
And so each one, you know, like, there's an explosion. The there's an explosion that opens each one. And so my daughter thought that was really funny. But, you know, she, she just ate up that novel. She was really excited. And I chose it because it was like we had a book fair. And the only cover that looked like it wasn't, oh, she fell in love with this brooding guy mm-hmm. who will turn out to be a werewolf, a vampire, a fallen angel, a demon, uh, you know, a, a, a Cthulhu. Um, a saucy baron. No, no one's saucy. Um, you know, it didn't look like a romance. It looked like g- girls standing up for themselves and right. holding their right, own. Right. I thought, well, this is a better role model than Bella. Um, you know, so... Uh, she loved it, so that's that's one I've got to say. The, the the Friday Society, you know, I hope there's more because she loved that book. Cool. Um, but anyway, back to the Christmas special. You have Surrey and McKellen. <coughs> I am one of those weirdos. Like you know, I don't know that much about the old series. I've been thinking about it. They, what they have of Hartnell has shown up on Netflix, and so I'm trying to find the time to sit down and. There's a lot on Netflix Netflix streaming that you can yeah, watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I want to go back and start watching those, especially with my son. Um, so, like, the whole tie into the great intelligence, I mean, I thought it was funny that when people talk about it, because I, I have no idea, I've never seen, and I guess that's one of those episodes, one of those sequences, the other episodes with Patrick Trufton are not there. Most of those have been erased. But it's known that the Great Intelligence used mechanical Yeti, and then you yes. had these killer snowmen yes. that evolved into uh, oh, you know, a hundred years later, they're abominable snowmen, clever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I I thought it was fun. Except I I really want if you're going to go for another spinoff series, uh, I need Lady Vastra and her uh, and her companion and the Santaran. To all, like, I just want a serious following them in London. She told told me to give you a grenade. <laughs> really? She goes. So she said to help you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, they're great characters, and maybe you know, just maybe a couple of like do Sherlock two two hour and a half movies of them a year. Oh, I the, would be. I, I just I, I, let me let me stay on that for a second. The the mind worm. <laughs> it's like what you forget to put the gloves on. <laughs> what. I appear to have been run over by a carriage. <laughs> yes. I know. It made me laugh. It, it, every, I, yeah, it was fun. It was fun. And so looking forward to the resumption of the season. Um, in April. In April. So uh, we also mentioned that to celebrate the 15th anniversary, the BBC is um, commissioning uh, 12 novels, one for mm-hmm. each doctor. Um, oh, that's cool. Or eleven. There are eleven doctors, right? But so up to um, uh, you know, so there'll be like one, whatever the twelfth will be. I, you know, whoever. Any specific writers? Please say Neil Gaiman. Uh, Neil Gaiman has been rumored to be excellent. We know that he's written the Cybermen episode coming up. Yeah, uh, and then it says he's working on something, but it's not going to be for uh, for Matt Smith. And since there is no talk of Matt Smith leaving, it's. Uh, has been speculated. No, he's going to get assigned to probably the second Doctor. But we know now that the first novel has been so the William Hartnell one is being written by. Is it? Tell me if I'm pronouncing this right. Ewan Colfer, the writer of uh, Artem- the Artemis Fowl Artemis series, Fowl, and who yeah. finished up Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. In a book um, that wasn't well received. No, I have it. I haven't read it yet. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he's doing the first novel. We know Neil Gaiman is one of them as well, and they're just looking around. Um, <clears throat> again, rumor, probably more wish list 
then really possible. J.K. Rowling uh, oh, that'd be awesome. would be, you know, so they're trying to get, like, who are the popular Real. British yeah. writers to each tackle one to acknowledge and they, be fun. They, they could spread out beyond Brit writers, too. I mean. Yeah, but it's BBC. They're Gail starting Carriger? that way. Who has not, who, launching her uh, young adult a, series, her young, YA series. YA is series coming, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't remember what it what Well, was, you know, I yeah. understand, but I don't know that. I, this is going to hurt you, but uh, but outside of the of the Basfa circles, I don't know that Gail Carriger is that well known. Oh no, she's got a big following. Does she? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Her her the Parasol Protectorate has been picked up for a TV series. Yeah, it's but it's by, sci-fi, by the BBC. Isn't it? Oh, BBC. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So hopefully, well then, if the BBC is picking that up, then maybe Gail Carriger could be one who would do that. I would. I mean, I would like to see that. I. Have only read part of the first novel uh, of her Parasol Protectorate so far. I have the first. It's also two. available in two volumes in manga. Oh, good. Oh, well, that sold it to me. <laughs> um, thanks. Uh, great. Is there an X-rated parody yet? We'll talk later. Okay. <laughs> that sounds questionable. Um, I don't know that I want to see that. Uh, but anyway, you know, the, it, but yeah, the, the, that'd be that she would be someone fine to see. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, I think that's great. I'd, I'd buy all 12 of those books just because it's a, uh, it, because they planned a progression and they'd introduce each of the doctors. Oh, yeah. So I mean, just like I like the IDW is going to do their, their 50th anniversary tribute as well uh, in comics form. And I like the Doctor Who novels. I don't have a lot of time. To read novels, but I did enjoy last summer when I flew flew to London. Um, I I, wa- I read the Michael Moorcock Moorcock one, the uh, Pirate uh, Coming uh, of the Humans, where he tried to, he yeah. he shoehorned Jerry Cornelius in, which I knew would sometimes really irritates me. But in this case, it was like, but he'd gotten Matt the rhythm of Matt Smith, and uh, yeah, Moorcock's pun. brilliant. You can't see yes. anything about it. I know. So I enjoyed reading that, and every yeah. every one I picked up. And unlike every other novel series adapting, you know, coming off of TV shows, I have the, you know, Doctor Who is wide open enough that this could be canon. It's not going to contradict anything, and I could pretend it's it really happened in the in the series or, or not, you know. So I will look forward to those books, and I will probably buy them all and probably read them in time for the 60th or 70th anniversary of Doctor <laughs> Who. Um have I finished? Oh, God. I got to still get to go through the Dracula, uh, the Anno Dracula, the new stuff. The new King, Kim Newman. The, well, he, you know, in the back of Bloody Red Baron, he added uh, a new novella. And so so I'd read Bloody Red Baron before, reread it, loved it, and then have to get through this novella and going, ah, you know, I want to finish that so I can get to the third one, Dracula, cha-cha-cha. Uh, <laughs> the you just one. like saying that. I, love, I do love saying that because I want to get done in time for the release of the next one, Johnny Alucard, the one set in the 70s with uh, Andy Warhol. Dracula versus Andy Warhol, probably arguing over the content of Dracula, which I've seen. So if Udo Kier is in, makes a cameo in uh, that it's like all my worlds colliding uh so looking forward to all those things i gotta get some more reading done so uh i think we've i think we've come to the end of everything good it's lord a big show nate nate keeps us short uh we need nate back well we hadn't met for a couple of weeks so okay this is like i know out. so next week hopefully it's roy benson and one of these nights you know i just mentioned uh listener brian kent has offered uh this was just a, we realized on a dime we didn't have i didn't have time to call brian uh he would like to come in and 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 speak 
and maybe some night when we're when we're short a hand we'll do that uh so um I, I I wanted to do two like uh, announcements. One, oh yeah, please um, do. Friends of the show, uh, Andy and Kevin are running um, WesterCon sixty six, and uh, we are going to try and get them on the show to talk about this. In the meantime, Google WesterCon sixty six because I was not prepared enough to give you the URL for it, but it's something like WesterCon sixty six dot yeah org or something like that, which is going to be in August in Sacramento. Is yeah, that right? in Sacramento, it's the it's one of the big conventions. It's uh, it's a um, there's a long story. Tune in later for that story. We will have them. Uh, we'll have let them, them tell it because it is kind of silly and we'll ridiculous. Do some kind of uh, show about WesterCon. I was proud to have been there at the, and watch it all happen. But yes, go ahead. And then the other, uh, did you read about the Jay Lake? Uh, um, yeah, I posted it on my Facebook page. Uh, Jay Lake, uh, science fiction writer, uh, nice guy. Because I think I think it was the first Baycon I got invited to was when he was guest of honor, and. And maybe the, if not the first, the second, the second, Chris Garcia, uh, had, uh, us, uh, Jay and I were on the same team for a version of, uh, says you, a sci-fi version of, of says you. And I, so I got to re- it was my, my first big time at a convention at, at, at a sci-fi convention, which is very different from a comics convention, very different feel. Um, and I spend more time just kind of hanging out at the hotel, you know, that's where the convention is. I got I got to spend a lot of time with Jay Lake, and I, I found him just just a, a a great guy, and I had not realized I had not heard about his health. Yeah, he's got he's got a, a, a rather um, advanced uh, colon cancer going on, eight percent chance of survival. But they've got a a potential um, new tactic for it. So there's a on you caring. Let's see, it's. Uh, I'm going to get the URL here. I will get the URL here. Oh, this is better because I had a kickstart for the documentary. It's youcaring.com where you can go and donate directly to uh, the, the the fundraiser. And I have to tell you, this is pretty amazing because I looked at it this morning. I think they were at about $8,000 of a $20,000 goal. It's currently at $27,000. So... Um, the the um there are a lot of uh a lot of bonuses for people who do contribute to this that are being con- they're being um provided by people like Neil Gaiman, uh John Scalzi, Sherry Priest, um and Paul Cornell. All you can read about yeah. this on the site. But again, go to youcaring.com, find the Jay Lake uh fundraiser, read about it yourself. If you want to feel good about yourself, Go to this, drop some money on it, and uh, and be a be a happy person. Well, that makes me feel awkward asking for money on PayPal, but uh, you know, so uh, just but listen. that'll make you happy too. That'll yeah. Uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes, by all means, please uh, give us a rating. Please subscribe. If you're listening to us on the Stitcher app, like uh, Mr. Vanderswag, now you got me saying it wrong, right? <laughs> Vanderswag. Uh, listen to us on the Stitcher app and you can find us at www.fanboyplanet.com and yes, you can check out the Amazon link. We still have our Christmas gift guide. A lot of great stuff up Buy there. Buy yourself we'll, something. We'll Make yourself feel better. Yeah, and then uh, we get a little kickback from that. Uh, done it on PayPal. And of course, if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, absolutely welcome it. Always, if you want to be one of the ten who write in, 
to be responsible for my watching season two of The Walking Dead. Because let me be fair, I did watch the first season. Um, if you're going to force me into it, uh, write in at editor at fanboyplanet.com. Next week, uh, hopefully Troy Benson sitting in with us in the third seat. And uh, then, as now, I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to... Use your powers only for good. And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreat.com. Luke, L-U-K-E-S-K-I dot com.